you where you were going 40 miles an hour. This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top 9 miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, it did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American Racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. This NASCAR season, every member of the Toyota Racing Team is doing their part to take the trophy home. Like 6th grader Melissa Kowalski, who changes true to true X on every true-false quiz she takes. All my teachers are Martin Truex Jr. fans now. Keep up the great work, Melissa. To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. NASCAR season is here, and everyone on the Toyota racing team is doing their part to perform at the highest level. From driver Ty Gibbs to amateur musician Russell Viper, who's working on the perfect pre-race pump-up track for the team. Start those Camrys up! Yeah! To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live Wide Open. Off the end of the back straightaway. Larson's going to send it. Larson's in the wall. Larson's on Hamlin's back bumper. Logano leads down the back straightaway. Keselowski's in line. Now he turns him. Boot team Penske cars crash. Keselowski is up in a ball of flame. NASCAR Live Wide Open is brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Now, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of NASCAR Live Wide Open here on the Motor Racing Network. I'm Mike Bagley, along with the rest of the MRN crew. We're in the middle of short track season. We've just come out of Richmond. We're getting ready for Martinsville. And for me, I feel like Andy Williams. It is the most wonderful time of year. I love it when we're able to go short track racing. Now, we got a totally different race last week at Richmond. Got a strategy race, and it came down to five to go, William Byron being hunted down, and Denny Hanlon making the pass and ultimately going on to victory lane. I think we're in store for something a little different at Martinsville. And what's interesting about Martinsville this weekend is Martinsville gives the fan a totally different perspective. I want to talk with you a little bit about that. We've talked a lot about the grandfather clock and hot dogs and the old paper clip formation of the Martinsville Speedway. But what goes largely undiscussed and what goes largely unnoticed are things that you have to be there to, to witness and to feel. It starts from the moment you walk into the place. When I used to do races there in the turns years ago and, and in the pits and even in the booth, um, one of the interesting things is we always parked across the street and down the street from the racetrack, and we would walk in, and that is so when the race gets over, we can walk across the street, get out, and head on back to you know points beyond. Well, that walk in at Martinsville, it's always been my experience that 
It is always a chilly morning. But what punctuates that chilly morning in that walk-in is the walk through the neighborhood that you make coming off of 220. Now, you obviously, if you're parking in the parking lot there when you turn in off the property, this will not be your journey. If you park across the street or off the property, you're walking down through a neighborhood. And there's just something about that walk when you walk into the place. You you have people out front cooking bacon and they're, you know, serving up breakfast sandwiches to their crew. And even you, you walk by, people always like serving up food and everything. It's that local hometown feel, that smell of bacon and watching people tailgate and watching people get set up. And as you're walking down the street, at the end of that street sits Martinsville Speedway. It's like it pops up out of nowhere. And when you walk in, you see the track sitting down there. And then on the other side of the track are the train tracks. If you've seen racing in person at Martinsville, you know what I'm talking about. Or if you've ever watched a race on television or you've heard us describe it on MRN, there'll be a train that'll go by. It's just that that homely feel to that racetrack. Then when you get into the racetrack, if you've ever seen it on TV, TV makes it look so much bigger than what it actually is. It is a very small track, and the intimate feel of that racetrack is something pretty awesome. Over the years, we've experienced a lot at Martinsville. There was a stretch there years ago that Rusty Wallace, when he was on his tear, we're fortunate to have Rusty on the broadcast crew, but back then when he was driving for Roger Penske, Rusty got hooked up there and started to win race after race after race. Well, in that stretch, there started a tradition of Saturday night before the Martinsville race on Sunday, we would go have dinner. Rusty would take us to dinner. We were his good luck charm for a while. And we would always go to the Dutch Inn, and we'd always go to the Prime Rib Buffet. Howard was at the controls. He was operating the old steak knife there. I don't know if Howard is still there, but the Dutch Inn in Collinsville was a place that We always used to go, we would sit there, we'd chat, we'd visit, and again, Martinsville, Virginia is that sleepy little town that while it may not appear huge on the map, it's huge on the NASCAR landscape. You walk into the restaurants and you walk, they make you feel at home. You'd never meet a stranger there. They're very welcoming and accommodating. We spent many a Saturday night with Rusty Wallace at the Dutch Inn, and in that restaurant, that's when drivers didn't have motorhomes. Drivers would you know, either stay at the hotel with us. They would always congregate for dinner. You'd be sitting there. You look over. There's Stevie and Daryl Waltrip. You know, there's Lake Speed and his wife. Junior Johnson would be in there. I mean, it was, a, it was a who's who. Times have changed. But that's one of the memories that I have is we were Rusty Wallace's good luck charm for a while. Then when Rusty stopped winning, well, the dinner stopped coming. I've talked to Rusty about that. <laughs> In any event, going to Martinsville is always fun. It always puts on good racing. And this time through, it's going to be different. 500 laps to 400 laps. A lot of questions are, what are going to ha- what's going to happen now that we have 100 less laps to look forward to at Martinsville? We'll have it all covered, leading you into and during race day coverage of the Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief 400. Ruoff Mortgage wants to welcome you home with their fast and stress-free mortgage process. Ruoff knows that when you're ready to move, you want to keep things moving. From the moment you start, Ruoff makes sure the process moves quickly, often twice as fast as other lenders, so you can close quickly and settle in sooner. Visit Ruoff.com to learn how you can qualify for the fastest loan of your life. That's Ruoff, R-U-O-F-F dot com. That will be the day after we run the NASCAR Xfinity Series race. And in that NASCAR Xfinity Series race, we always see some good racing there. 
even lesser laps. Time is more precious, and the imminent need to get going is always in play when the Xfinity Series cars race there. And one driver that got it done last year was Josh Berry. Josh Berry is a late model racer extraordinaire, and he took those talents to Martinsville in the NASCAR Xfinity Series last year, and he got his first ever national level win in NASCAR. Matter of fact, a couple grandfather clocks to his credit, got one in the late model ranks there, got one in the NASCAR Xfinity Series ranks there, and right now he joins us as we get ready for this weekend's racing festivities. Josh Berry, welcome to NASCAR Live Wide Open. How are we doing today? Yeah, thank you, Mike. Thank you for having me. You chomping at the bit to get back to Martinsville? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, really excited to get there, obviously. Love short track racing. That's what, I've grown up. That's what I've been doing for the last 10 years. So it's always nice to go to a short track, um, and especially one you've had some success at. So we're we're excited. I think everybody's excited. Our, all of our cars have been running really well. Get to race with the boss man Friday night. I know a lot of people are excited for that. So it should be a cool weekend. We'll talk about that in a minute. You mentioned that you've been short track racing for 10 years. Do you remember your first one? Uh, I remember my first late model race as well, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it was a big part of my my opportunity there. Um, I still lived in Tennessee and kind of I went to, um, you know, I got an opportunity with, with JRM, with Dale, and through Dale, and got to do a test at Motor Mile Speedway in Virginia. And uh, that went pretty well, and that kind of turned into a couple race opportunity. Got to run a couple races, and then those went pretty well. And ended up moving to North Carolina and, and going to work at Junior Motorsports and uh, worked on the Xfinity cars actually, um, tear, tear, doing tear down and washing the cars, doing pit practice on it and stuff, and then got to work on a late model at nighttime to go race it here and there, so it was a lot of fun. Did Dale Jr. find you or did you find him? Um, I don't know. So, you know, it was kind of a mutual connection really through iRacing that, uh, you know, we both are spent a lot of time racing online over the years and um you know it's kind of just like a mutual connection there between the two of us we just became friends and got to know each other a little bit and raced online together a good bit and uh you know it just kind of was in the right place at the right time they were they were looking for uh someone to kind of come into that late model program and and be a part of it and you know, i was in the right place at the right time so the iRacing thing it, what, what's amazing is that because we hear of other drivers as well they started there or you have some drivers that aspire to be drivers but start at iRacing what is what does iRacing give a young driver that when they make the move to get into a full fendered race car it gives them a good foundation you can't get everything from iRacing, but you can get a lot. What can you get from it? Yeah, I think just the accuracy of the cars and the tracks, I think is a big plus. Um, you know, they, they race similar. I mean, they're not exactly the same, but I mean, they race similar. How a place like Richmond or Martinsville races on iRacing is is similar to what it's going to be like in real life. Because, I mean, you're racing real people and real cars. And, um, you know, so it's it's definitely a tool that I think people are going to it's going to continue to evolve and people are going to use more and more. Um, you know, we go into these, uh, you know, this new age of, of less practice, uh, barely any practice, really. Um, and that just means the things you do during the week to, to prepare are even more important than ever. And, um, you know, so it's not really a surprise to me that, you know, more more and more people are using that and. And, and other tools as well to, to be prepared. So when I race online, I can't race with shoes on. I have to race in socks, and I get a better feel of when to pick up the throttle, how much brake I'm putting down. 
do you do something similar or you're so good that it doesn't matter what you do? No, I, I do too. I don't, I don't wear shoes in mine. Yeah. I think it's, it's, uh, I, I agree with you. I think it's a little bit more feel, but everybody's different. You know, I've seen, I've seen lots of things. I've seen, seen people wear gloves and shoes and helmets and everything else over the years. <laughs> um, so it's uh, definitely unique to whatever you like whatever works now you begin late model racing with dale and you've come a long way you for a lot of younger race car drivers older race car drivers late model racers you're their guy because you've shown them that you can make the move from like i racing through late models now in the nascar xfinity series do you talk to a lot of younger drivers even to this day or do you have them come seek you out wanting to know your path so they can mimic a similar path yeah i mean here or there i think you know, I feel like I've gained a lot of respect in that, you know, in that short track world for, you know, a lot of the things that I've accomplished. And, you know, we've been a part of a lot of people's careers through our late model program, too, that have kind of helped. So, I mean, you know, I think it definitely comes, you know, I think, um, you know, ideally my career, um, although it's been, you know, very successful and, and, you know, a lot of fun, I think, I'm not sure that, you know, finally getting the opportunity full-time at the Xfinity Series at 31 years old is what people exactly want to do. So I don't know if people really want to exactly follow my my footsteps, but, um, you know, it, it's been a it's been a journey that I've really, you know, that I'm very fortunate for. And, um, you know, I think on a week like this week when you're going back to uh, Martinsville and racing and kind of a reflection of the, you know, a year ago there and it kind of, puts all that perspective what kind of fundamentals does late model racing give a young driver that's just starting out what can you learn on the late model level that you've taken with you and what others could take with them as well when they work their way up the ladder i think it's uh you know it's a great proving grounds i think the competition is really great at the for the late models um especially like the late model stocks like we've raced around here you know everywhere you go race um at all these local short tracks, you, know, you have um, an array of competitors from people that are just starting to younger kids that are cutting their teeth to, you know, kind of veterans that have been um, racing at their particular home track for years. And it's just a great place to really um, just learn how to race. I think that's that's the best way to put it. I think just learning racecraft and uh, managing your tires a little bit, managing your equipment, but how to race others and and um, I think the, like I said, I like my socks a little heavier stock car. You know, I think it's a better comparison to, to what an expanding car or cup car is. You just used a term there that I like, race craft. What kind of race craft does one need at Martinsville? <laughs> patience for one. I think, you know, patience, patience one. And you got to know when to race, when you got to get in line. You know, I think kind of seeing things happen before they happen. Um, kind of just that uh you know from that short track world of um you know how quickly things can change in traffic with uh just the different lines and contact and you know just being being accurate smooth on the brakes smooth accelerating off the corner obviously are two you know the things that you really need i think um you know what i've i feel like in in my years of racing um uh, all these short tracks and racing a lot of really good race car drivers at that level. I think it prepares me for those moments at Martinsville. I mean, there's going to be the moments you'll see them, I'm sure, sometime this weekend when you're going to have to 
beat and bang and, and race a little bit. I think, you know, all that my experience over the years, hopefully that helped me, helps me a little bit. You talk about the beating and banging nature of Martinsville. You know, you, you talk patience, which obviously that's very important. But when you've got a guy beating your bumper off and then you got a guy beating your right side off or the left side of the car off and you're trying to maintain composure because you don't want to mess yourself up, how difficult is that not to get not to get sucked into that emotional turmoil that sometimes comes from racing at Martinsville? Yeah, it's tough. You know, it, it's tough when you kind of – and it's especially hard if you're kind of in the – in the um you know maybe like fifth to 15th kind of range you know it's like seems like things are a little easier when you get in the top five and spread out a little bit more but when you're kind of racing seventh eighth ninth place man it's tough and it can be a frustrating day being there being there the whole time and i think that's why you got to remember patience so much um you know i I was thinking about that the other day because really um you know a lot of my starts in the late model stock race there um you know, my first seven or eight years that I went to that race were pretty, pretty bad. Um, and we ran, we always ran really well. We qualified well, we run well, but we would always have an incident or something because we could just never, we were just never good enough to break out of all the chaos kind of, you know, we were always in the seventh, eighth, ninth place, like I said, and could never break up really get up front and, and stay out of it. So, I mean, Martinsville is, is his own animal for sure. Well, you broke through the late model ranks. You won your your late model race there in 2019. Got a clock for it. You've also gotten a clock last year. Grandfather clock is a big deal at Martinsville. First of all, where are those two clocks today? <laughs> well, the, the late model one it, it was, is in my living room. It stayed. We kept it wound up um, the whole time, and uh, the we actually left the one for the Xfinity race boxed up still because. I have a two-year-old and she is wide open. We don't really have a good spot for it. And I can just, I, I just can see her now. The one, the ones now, we kind of got it blocked away from her a little bit, but uh, add another one in there, something new that she don't, that would be new for her. I think would be a perfect thing for her to go beat on and run into. So we're gonna leave it packed up for when we move next or something and then set them both up. So like daylight saving time rolls around there and you got to make those adjustments is it is it easy to reset yeah it's it's actually pretty easy to work you gotta you have to really the hardest part i think is whenever you wind it you always have to wind it backwards and because if you wind it forwards or clockwise i guess um it can it can screw up some of the internals there's lots of little you know pieces i remember um like i said they're they're very um complex little pieces so i think that kind of comes back to why i left the second one boxed up because it's i hate to thinking about moving the one that i have without having to hire somebody that knows how to work on them and uh make sure i do it do it correctly is that your most treasured trophy if not which one is yeah no both those um you know are extremely special i think the it's it's an it's an amazing trophy and i think especially from the for the late model side of things, um, you know, that Martinsville, that Martinsville race for a late model stock is the, you know, is the Daytona 500 for the Cup guys. It's the Snowball Derby for the super late models. I mean, it, it's that race. So I think even um, when you can accomplish that and win there, it's a huge moment. And as invested as I have been in that, in that late model program for so many years, I think you know, that, that win there at Martinsville, the first one in the late model car was just so, just so gratifying to me. And 
Um, and then you go and have a couple years later, you have this other moment that's like kind of a totally different, totally different deal, right? I mean, it's just uh, again having an opportunity in the Xfinity Series and winning your first National Series race is such a big deal. And having it happen at the same place was just really special. Now, to pick up your third, you mentioned a moment ago you're racing with the boss man. Dale Jr. is going to be in this race on Friday night. Now, to get that third, you may have to go around him. I don't want to say through him because that could create issues there. What are the rules of engagement when the boss is on the racetrack with you? I think we're going to be, I think all of us are going to be cutting, cutting him a little slack here or there if we're around him. Uh, but <clears throat> now I'm excited. Um, I actually spent some time with him today um, at the Chevy Simulator. We we're kind of helping him. You know, it's funny how things have changed, right? Like he's, he, kind of asked me for help getting to go do this now because you know he's been out of the car so long that you know he w- wanted me there to kind of help him a little bit and um so it's it's exciting we're we're i think the whole company is super excited um to go go have to go see him go race again and he really i think he's really enjoying it and, and and i think um you know i'm not sure what his expectations are but um i know he wants to go have fun and run the whole race and and, and enjoy it and if the car's there, he'll definitely uh, jam on in there for the win. What's it like? What's it like driving for a couple of racers that have that have done it, Kelly and Dale Jr. Is there a different level of understanding with them? They know what you've done. They know what you're going through as racers themselves. It's like having an owner that's been a racer. Yeah, no, it's been um, it's you know, it's just been amazing driving for them for sure. And yeah, I really think you know. Dale has been obviously pretty invested in my racing, um, but even that kind of goes back to um, you know my days running in the late model car. He would tune in, especially you know after he retired, um, he watched almost all of my races that he could um, that were broadcast or whatever that that he was available to watch. He watched almost every one of them, um, and I think that's something that kind of me and him missed. I, you know, I missed out on a little bit for a number of years. Um, you know, his kind of direction and, and help because he was always racing, you know, he was always gone cup racing. And then when he retired, that allowed him to put a, you know, he had, a, obviously he had more spare time and, and spent some more time watching, watching some of my racing and, um, you know, giving his opinion on things I did well, things I didn't do well. And, um, you need that. And, um, you know, it's been a big help to me. Well, all the best in getting that third grandfather clock. You've climbed your way up to a fourth in the point standings. And I know that we're coming into a target-rich environment for you. You had them up on their feet last year, losing their minds. And we wish you the best and try to do the same thing for this year. All right, man. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to it. Josh Berry trying to double up there at the Martinsville Speedway. You'll hear live coverage on the Motor Racing Network this weekend. We'll bring you up to speed on broadcast details here before we sign off of this podcast. NASCAR Coast to Coast is a show dedicated to spotlighting the short track community across the country. Offering a new show every Thursday on the Motor Racing Network's YouTube channel, this show has it covered. Hosted by Chris Wilner and myself, Kyle Rickey, NASCAR Coast to Coast offers insightful interviews and fun deep dives into the what, when, why, and hows of grassroots racing in America. This show serves the heart of racing from coast to coast. Uh, before we do, got to get some odds in. Let's hear what Vegas is saying about the Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief 400 coming up this weekend. Producer Trey is here with the odds. What are the odds telling us, and who do you like this weekend, Trey? 
Well, last week, I wasn't confident enough to pull the trigger on Joe Gibbs Racing actually winning the race. I said I wouldn't be surprised if they turned it around, and lo and behold, they did. And then going into this week at Martinsville, a Joe Gibbs Racing driver is the favorite. It breaks the streak of Chase Elliott or Kyle Larson being the favorite every single week since we left Daytona. Denny Hamlin was the favorite going into that race. But Martin Truex Jr., he is the favorite this weekend. He is the two-time defending champion of this race, the spring race at Martinsville. He is plus 550. Right behind him is Chase Elliott, who is a former Martinsville winner, and then a driver who has yet to win at Martinsville, but everybody pegs him as a very good driver there. He wasn't great there last fall when he needed to win to get into the championship four, but he's been there, but he's been very good there. Ryan Blaney, he's plus 800. But my pick this weekend, I'm going to another Joe Gibbs racing driver, and I'm going to a driver that performed very well at the Los Angeles Coliseum, which is probably the closest thing that we've had to a Martinsville so far this season. Last week, I don't know how much you can take from from Richmond to Martinsville with the way that Richmond has been racing uh, recently. But Joe Gibbs always good at always good at Richmond, and they're always good at Martinsville too. And the best Joe Gibbs racing driver at the Coliseum was Kyle Busch. I think Kyle Busch gets off the schneid this weekend. He might have had a chance to win this past weekend at Richmond if it wasn't for that weird penalty for the tape on the grill that came way after it actually happened. But Kyle Busch, I think he gets his first victory of the season. If you're looking for long shots, go back to the Coliseum. Who dominated that race in the early going? Tyler Reddick. He's plus 2,500 going into this weekend. And then an even further long shot, you look at Bubba Wallace, man. 23-11, Last week, they did not have the same kind of turnaround as Joe Gibbs Racing. They Kurt Busch and Bubba Wallace, Bubba, I think, finished 26th. Kurt was out of the race uh, very early with the, tr- with the trouble that he had, did return, but still finished, I believe, 35th in that race. Bubba Wallace, his best racetrack other than your super speedway style of tracks is probably Martinsville. He won there in the truck series multiple times. He's plus 12,500 this weekend. Now, I'm not going to go as far out on a limb as to pick Bubba to win, but if we're going to see 2311 turn things around and Bubba turn things around, we might see his best run of the season this weekend other than those second-place finishes at Daytona and at Atlanta. I would say that if it's time to turn things around, Martinsville is the perfect time. Of course, Bubba's got a couple of wins at Martinsville in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, and I believe that perhaps maybe a trip to Martinsville is just what the doctor ordered for the number 23, not talking Dr. Pepper. I'm just talking about any kind of doctor. I mean, they need some help over there at 2311. Let's hope that perhaps maybe Martinsville Speedway is what they need this weekend. Good picks. I like them. We'll see how it all unfolds. Um, And, of course, we've got you covered from soup to nuts this weekend at Martinsville. Before we give you the broadcast schedule, uh, if you're looking for a place to graze at Martinsville this weekend, um, one one of my favorites, it's right down the middle of the fairway, fun place to eat. You always see a lot of race fans in there and you always are able to grab a lot of conversation with race fans right down the street from the racetrack is a place called Clarence's go to Clarence's. I won't give you any more. It'll be a fun time. If you like to mingle with your fellow race fans and do a little, maybe a little stargazing at the same time, you'll see pit crew members. You'll see, you'll see some drivers and some personalities in there. Clarence's is still on my list. Haven't been there in a while. But um, tell them uh, the bag man and MRN sent you. We're going to send you to Martinsville, the Speedway via radio, and we've got you covered 
We have a total of four broadcasts coming your way. Uh, actually, tonight, we'll get underway with the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief 200, Motor Racing Network Airtime, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. We'll have double header action for you on Friday. It'll be NASCAR Cup Series practice and pole qualifying, 4.30 Eastern, and then we'll back that up with the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Call 811 before you dig 250 on the air Friday night, 7 Eastern. And then, of course, we're back on the air Saturday with the NASCAR Cup Series. NASCAR Live Race Day gets underway at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. The Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief 400. And then, of course, we're back on the air to recap it and get you previewed up for the Bristol Dirt Race. Tuesday night, NASCAR Live on Tuesdays at 7 Eastern. And we're back here one week from today. Another episode that you can download of NASCAR Live wide open. For producer Trey and everyone else here at the Motor Racing Network, I'm Mike Bagley. We thank you for tuning in, downloading us, and being a part of the fun. And we'll look forward to chatting with you this weekend, Tuesday night, and right here next Thursday on NASCAR Live wide open. Until then, so long, everybody. NASCAR Live wide open is brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Buying a house can feel like you're going 200 miles per hour in bumper-to-bumper traffic with a dirty windshield and the sun in your eyes. Ruoff Mortgage has the technology, expert staff, and resources to simplify the process while speeding up the time it takes to get clear to close. So while getting a loan can seem intimidating, Ruoff Mortgage will have you opening the door to your new home fast and stress-free. Visit Ruoff.com to learn more. That's Ruoff.com. NASCAR Coast to Coast is a show dedicated to spotlighting the short track community across the country. Offering a new show every Thursday on the Motor Racing Network's YouTube channel, this show has it covered. Hosted by Chris Wilner and myself, Kyle Rickey, NASCAR Coast to Coast offers insightful interviews and fun deep dives into the what, when, why, and hows of grassroots racing in America. This show serves the heart of racing from coast to coast. Do you have an unused car, truck, motorcycle, boat, or RV taking up space? Put it to good use by donating it to the NASCAR Foundation. Proceeds help fund medical resources for children in our racing community. Your wheels can heal. Call 844-NASCAR-9 and we'll come tow away your vehicle for free. The process is quick and your gift is tax deductible. Call 844-NASCAR-9 to donate your vehicle to the NASCAR Foundation today. Your donation will help our children survive and thrive. 